So let's enjoy uh, five minutes of silence and stillness together as we settle into this uh, wonderful gathering.
rather than sitting in complete silence, we might think of sitting in spaciousness. The remarkable and almost inconceivable space that links Hawaii to the mainland, across to England and, and Europe. But aside from geography, just the spaciousness of holding ourselves and each other in this warm embrace. Maybe you hear the sounds of our environment here, maybe the shama singing. And if you will pause for a moment, I'm going to have Jessica and John Eric pass out um, some um, papers that have the chance because the folks here aren't used to the, the, the small chance that we have. And I'd like for you to be able to hear voices. And so those of you that are here, um, the small verse at the bottom of the poem that says robe chant or verse of the robe, I'm not sure what it says. We're going to say that together and you're going to see everyone online, <clears throat> but not hear them say it with you. This is what's normally um, spoken or chanted at the end of our period of zazen. And we'll do it three times. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. That chant, which is classically done as um, we leave morning zazen and literally put on robes if you were in a monastery is echoed here because we're really cloaked in this um, field of benefaction, literally, the goodness of Hui Holana. And I was thinking as we sat um, that we're sitting in something that, uh, that Ricky Cook built in honor of his mother. This is Nancy's Peace Pavilion. And she was pretty instrumental in making sure that um, the Maharishi came to the United States and brought Transcendental Meditation decades and decades ago. And so we're actually sitting in a space uh, dedicated to someone who dedicated much of her life to meditation and teaching meditation. But 
when we chanted that final line about um, the the one true nature harmonizing all being, I'd like that to be echoed since we're in Hawaii by someone who is a more Hawaiian. And so I invited my friend, um, and some of you can imagine, last night I, I said to her, would you help me introduce things? And she was um, uh, excited and anxious, I think. Nervous. <laughs> Nervous about this. So uh, I'm going to move over a second. So uh, my, my new friend, uh, Mina Morita, who lives on uh, Kauai at this time, is going to join me. And she'll, she'll tell you a little more about what she has. Aloha. Um, yesterday, one of the things you said... Move a little said, bit closer to me. There you go. One of the things that Flint said was that there is... Well, coincidences are a gift from God. And I haven't used this greeting in a while, mainly because I haven't been in public for a while amongst people I um, did not know. And this resurfaced. Um, she's, and, she's out of a conversation. She sent me an essay she'd written for her blog. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's exactly what we want to do. So I asked her if she would offer it to you. And then in this environment, hearing the birds, it's I, even more appropriate. So ano ai me ke aloha e nahulu mamo like ole. Greetings with aloha among all of us, birds of many feathers. <laughs> so I learned this formal greeting from Puanani Burgess, a community developer, a poet, and a Buddhist priest. She in turn learned it from Pilahi Paki, a Hawaiian spiritual leader who shared this sacred knowledge about aloha to Hawaiians and non-Hawaiians as a gift to the world. The kauna or the hidden meaning of this greeting is that even though we may look different, we are all the same. Through the Human Genome Project, we know that 99% of humans are basically the same, but unfortunately, most conflicts focus on our differences, be it race, gender, or religion. Respect for nature, the culture of peace, compassion, and love. These are the kinds of values that we share and is embodied in one word, aloha. We are here in this special sanctuary, hui ho'olana, on the island of Molokai to develop get that <laughs> this gift of aloha mm -hmm. through photography. Aloha Kiakua, Kiakua Pu. Aloha is God, God goes with you. Thank you. And would you just read the the welcome one more time and it's English translation so you can hear it one more time. Okay. Ano I make aloha kako Greetings with aloha to all of you, uh, birds of many feathers. Mahalo. <laughs> you can see why I wanted her to 
offer the greeting. It's really quite special. The, the folks that are with me right now here have gathered for this uh, photography retreat, but in some ways it's not just um, a, a, a workshop retreat, it's more of a contemplative retreat. The, the name that was given to this, if you looked on the website, was Rekindling the Creative Spirit. And in some ways what's happening now as we move to the edge of these big changes in the pandemic is we're rekindling our spirit, our connections, our hearts and minds, just like Nina was talking about. And the subtitle for the retreat was Seeing Simply, Creatively Expressing Our Vision, Reconnecting with the Environment, Our Photography and Ourselves. But think of how this relates to our everyday practice. Seeing simply with the beginner's mind. Responding to that question, how simple are you willing to let this be? Creatively expressing our vision. What is your deepest aspiration and your vow for your life? What do you want to offer to the world? And reconnecting with environment, photography and ourselves, just noticing what we create as we move in the world with each other and how we are created and shaped by that interaction. And it's this interaction that uh, Mina was talking about that I want to focus on uh, today. Actually, I was having a conversation with one of our uh, members that you know. She's come online a few times, Laura Thomas, a beautiful young woman. And she said, you know, I'm always asking questions and wondering who I am and trying to find my way. And maybe she was very anxious. Maybe someday I, I'll stop doing that and I'll know who I am for sure. And I'll understand what I'm here for. And I said, Laura, I think that's just your shape. You're the kind of person who will always ask questions and always wonder because it's your edge of aliveness. And if you were to find a place of completion, then there'd be kind of a deadening. So we want to keep the questions alive and find out what our shape is, even as we face what seems like um, so many deep questions and almost the, the inconceivable as we come out of the, the pandemic. Last week in one of my practice discussion groups, a wonderful student from uh, the Twin Cities area, Ruth Markovitz, brought a poem. And uh, I will, um, I'll share the poem uh, later on. All the folks here have a copy of it. And I'll make sure that you have it online uh, with the recording. I'll read it a couple of times. Listen to how beautiful uh, this poem invites us uh, to step forward in the ways that I've been speaking about for the, probably the last month. The title is The Cure. The uh, poet who I've, I've not heard of before, um, Albert Hofstickler. And here's his, uh, his offering. We think we get over things. We don't get over things.
or say we get over the measles, but not a broken heart. We need to make that distinction. The things that become part of our experience never become less a part of our experience. How can I say it? The way to get over a life is to die. Short of that, you move with it. Let the pain be the pain, not in the hope that it will vanish, but in the faith that it will fit in, find its place in the shape of things, and be then not any less pain, but true to form, because anything natural has an inherent shape and will flow towards it. And a life is as natural as a leaf. That's what we're looking for. Not the end of a thing, but the shape of it. Wisdom is seeing the shape of your life without obliterating, getting over a single instant of it. I think it would be good to hear it one more time since you don't have it in, in, in front of you. Um, you want to read it, John Eric? Sure. Come on over. We'll have uh, another voice, another face. And many of you from Austin, of course, know John Eric, <laughs> our, our board president for Apamata, working in the garden and other places here today. <laughs> also started my morning with a lot of coffee, so I'm uh, a yeah. little nervous. <laughs> We think we get over things. We don't get over things. Or say we get over the measles, but not a broken heart. We need to make that distinction. The things that become part of our experience. Hmm. Never become less a part of our experience. How can I say it? The way to get over a life is to die. Short of that, you move with it. Let the pain be pain. Not in the hope that it will vanish, but in the faith that it will fit in. Find its place in the shape of things, and be then not any less pain, but true to form. Because anything natural has an inherent shape and will flow towards it. And a life is as natural as a leaf. That's what we're looking for. Not the end of a thing, but the shape of it. Wisdom is seeing the shape of your life without obliterating, getting over a single instant of it. What's moving through now? I feel just the fullness of this moment. I have a lot of gratitude for you and everyone here and everyone there, our community. Yeah, it looked like it, it kind of caught you for a moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And your reading of it, I, I could feel the, the truth of it moving through you, so thank you for doing that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, probably you can uh, get a, a sense, a real feeling, an understanding of why 
uh, after Ruth brought this to our group, I wanted to share it more, more fully. Because it speaks of that shaping that Laura was asking me about. How, how do we understand our own shape in the world? And how do we're shaped? There's another poem which I won't read today um, from David White called Sometime. And in it, there's a line where he says, uh, we receive uh, questions that come to us that to stop what we're doing right now and to stop what we're becoming while we do it. To understand how we naturally and habitually organize our life to, to become this person and how if we take time to stop and at least go slower and connect with each other and with nature like we're doing here with all of these people and to look at it very carefully through the lens of our cameras, something shown back to us and we're taken by the process. And we move in the world in a, in a different way. He says we get over things, but we don't get over things. Our job is not to get over the pandemic, to make the distinction that he speaks about. The things that become part of our experience never become less a part. This will always be part of us. I gave an example the other day. I said, suppose someone was asking me deeply about this, and I said, suppose you broke your leg and you had a, a surgery or whatever to, to set it, and maybe you had a little support in there, and it healed perfectly. And you're able to walk and run, and it was fine. But if you took an x-ray or you looked at the skin on your leg from the surgery, you'd always see that there's an imprint, a mark, something is different that wasn't there before. And that's like each moment and every moment. And this is how we impact each other. The way to get over a life is to die. It's a very strong sentence. I remember with Norman Fisher, our wonderful Zen senior ancestor right now, he said he has many students who are physicians, and he said, you know, on the, on the death certificate, when it says cause of death, you should just put life. <laughs> what else is there, you know? The rest is details. And he says, short of that, we move with it. The pain be not less pain necessarily, but not the hope that it will vanish, but the faith, the faith, the faith that will fit in that we can move with it in some way, which doesn't make it deeper and doesn't make things worse for ourselves and others, but is actually part of the flow of, of life. What's available to us and what we can give to each other. So we look not for the end of things, but the shape of it and wisdom. And I would say also compassion. Wisdom and compassion are seeing the shape of your life which is what practice allows us, without obliterating or getting over a single thing. Our practice is not to get rid of or get over anything, but to see how it becomes part of our, our being that moves in the world with more wisdom and compassion, not with um, hopefully the crippling effects of, of trauma or difficulties that then spreads in that way. So these are the kind of... Um, uh, reflections I thought might be uh, inviting for you 
to reflect on what is the shape that you feel you're coming into more intimacy with right now. And what are the things that as you become more intimate with the shape of your life, you might think from a position of judgment that you're misshapen. But really it's a resistance to the shape. But if you become more intimate and um, let it teach you something, you can find something uh, that will free you, that will be more liberating. What's the edge that you find in your practice now? Which provides a possibility for either being, I would say, resistant or worrisome or something, but actually is a portal, is a Dharma gate, an opening. And if you have those edges and you have those questions and something that you'd like to really explore more deeply, uh, then, then raise your hand. Uh, the folks here can raise their hand if they want and they can come sit next to me if they have a question they'd like to, um, to ask. But please, let's continue as we always do. And, and come forward, connect. You might be shy since it's a different environment. And you know I'll call on you if you don't raise your hand. <laughs> oh, there's Nelda. <laughs> Um, so what a lovely, lovely poem and what a lovely community. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Clint. So this is going to sound very simplistic, but it actually touches on the poem you just read yeah. and was an amazing portal for me. And here's what it is. I was interested in being the monitor one day this week at uh, services, weekday services, and I read the description. There were lots of things the monitor does, but the thing that overwhelmed me was the clackers. Hitting mm -hmm. those clackers just right, just the right time. And I failed miserably. I, I just want everyone to know that. And so, but before I failed miserably, <laughs> um, I was so anxious about it that I sent a little email or text, I don't remember, to Kim Mosley, who's one of the members here, one of the Sangha, um, family here in Austin. And his response was this, what about, what if perfection is being imperfect? It had never dawned on me. And uh, it took the entire pressure of that construct I had created about what perfection means and doing those clackers just right completely off me. And even when I failed miserably the next day, I felt wonderful. Now, everyone else might not have enjoyed the sound as much, but the point of that is that that one statement created a shift in my entire life and in my relationship to everybody. Because as I meet new people and people I've known a while, what if the shape of them, exactly as they are, is perfection? So that's all. That's, that's the way to look at people. And here's 
I'm going to, I'm going to say out loud a sentence that these people can't hear. And then I want you to say it back to them. Okay. So this is like in secret, ready? Tell them. And the same is true in your photography. I say that, say that out loud. And the same is true in your photography. What if perfection <laughs> is imperfection? Just learning our shape in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Nelda. Thank you, Dick. You know, being a psychotherapist, I was in therapy, it seems, forever, <laughs> and training as a psychotherapist forever. Uh, come on in, Bonnie. I'll just uh, we have say uh, a little bit Sus We have Suzanne next, Flint. Who is it? Suzanne, Suzanne Kilkus next. Oh, sorry. Okay. Hi, <clears throat> Suzanne. <laughs> Some people are waving at you here. I'm waving back. Who said that? There's very various <laughs> folks that know you from here. I'm going to turn it for a second. Oh, people hi. that knew you from the photo workshop. My buddy, so good to see you. And, and what? And you'll appreciate this, Suzanne. I was going to say, as a psychotherapist, all the the therapy I did on my own perfectionism, it helped, you know, here and there. But really, through practice is where I began to find the spaciousness and release. So it didn't, um, I could come to terms with it, even though I still have it. But it's part of the shape of who I am, and it doesn't run me anymore. It's a little bit different way. So. Well, that's perfect for me, Flint, because my life has not gone the way I wanted it to go to this week. I'm yeah. supposed to be in chemo. Yeah. And my blood wasn't good enough. Oh dear. Um, too high risk for infection. So here I am at the Hui. <laughs> what an exchange. <laughs> I would not have been able to be here. Um, that that is really wonderful. Um, and, and for those and for those who do not know, how many times have you physically been here? Ten. Yeah. 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 So I'm here again. Okay. Yeah. This is just wonderful. Um, and while I am just thrilled to be able to be here today, the part of me that wants to hold on to being really mad about not having things be the way I wanted them to be, because this mm -hmm. was my last treatment week and then I could be tested to find out if it's worked. Um, there's, there's, I've got this conflict. I mean, it's not terribly strong, but it's, it's, uh, oh, I'm getting something better than I wanted, but I still want what I wanted. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and, so, uh, and, and do you feel the container, which doesn't have to choose, but can hold them both? I can feel it. Yes. Yeah. I, oh, that's a good, thank you for saying that. I can feel it. Even as you opened your arms, I felt myself expand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know what it's like to breathe into this space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And both things are true. It's yeah. disappointing. It's maddening. Mm -hmm. It's frightening. Mm -hmm. It's and this is lovely and special and wonderful. All, all of it. All of it. All of it. Mm -hmm. All of it. Yeah, and that's really the function of our practice, as you know, and as you teach, yeah. is becoming this larger container for life. Mm. 
So life energy and all of its forms can flow through us instead of being blocked, mm -hmm. which creates the suffering. Yes. You sending the picture of where we were going to be today, the pavilion. I want to, yes. I want to thank Ricky again for building this. Yes. Um, and for, there he is. I love seeing him <laughs> there. Um, and for all the times that I sat there and that I get to sit there again. Yes. This, this, this is really helping me release the discouragement I felt this morning. Right. Thank you for being there. <laughs> Thank and, you. Uh, and in support of your healing, mm -hmm. your name is on the altar in the yurt. Mm -hmm. oh, so my. we're sitting, we're sitting with you on your behalf. <clears throat> Thank, you. Thank you so much. Hoping that you continue to heal and can continue your treatments uh, forward. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm. Aloha. Hi, Bonnie. Hi, Flint. So um, I have two little back things I want to say, or two little, well, whatever. So, um, you know, the tears started to move through me with reading the verse row. The, um, and then um, I have been wanting to study a koan. And I realized that a koan, I had this sense that a koan is going to choose me. So here's what's my practice edge. Mm -hmm. it's, it's how we in our community are reading the verses during service. Okay, so it is driving me over the edge my edge and i i was timekeeper uh sunday evening and i was so distracted and so caught up in my judgment or my dissatisfaction or my impatience that i rang the bell too soon and then i rang the bell as i was trying not to ring the bell yeah. and i was so like oh my god what's going you know so it's really my edge and I know that you will say to me that this is, these forms are like so um, oh, I can't think of the word that you use or have said to me, but anyway, brings me to my knees, brings me to the altar. Well, honey. Yes. You have a very, very deep devotional practice. That's the word. That's the word. And these things mean a lot to you. Yeah. <clears throat> and that strong meaning and the strong current that flows through you is part of your shape. If it's not met, you also have conditioning that can take you towards judgment or, you know, something that's worrisome rather than compassion for those who are struggling with meeting the form. But the, the devotional practice you have is, really is your heart of compassion. You're, you're wanting to call people forward into the beauty that you feel and see. Because it means something to you. Mm -hmm. And it's our container. 
and because it, you care. Yeah. And it seems, it's the same, it, yeah. A similar kind of heartbreak, uh, because I know you're a mother, when you see a child doing something that you wish you could prevent them from having to experience, but you know you can't. It's out of yeah. the love. Mm. Mm. What's happening? Um, I'm not sure. Just a lot of weeping. And as you as you settle into that space, a little stronger breeze just came through. I don't know if you could hear it. Well, that's the breath of the ancestors. That's that's the devotion of the Aina, the land, moving through here. Me meeting you. And the ancestors are very much up for me, as is... Um, so yesterday we were at Mickey Joe's for a drumming. And as he began to speak about this, the, what we were creating, I noticed all these birds come in, take their place. Mm -hmm. And they stayed just long enough to make sure that, to make sure, and I, I chose not to speak it, but, um, but so there's a lot moving in me. There's a lot moving in me. I'm really reconnecting with wanting to connect with horses and, and feel, more, feel more alive in my body with the compassion that another animal being can give, and horses in particular. And um, in fact, well, it's yeah, dogs I, here. Yeah, Everywhere. and those those birds were just fabulous. Anyway, I, it's so good to be with you. And I am aware that I don't want to take up too much space because there's so many people here. But I be all this be all the space that you are to let all of that love flow through you. Yeah, but oh, yes, those ancestors. So how, thank you for sharing that with me. Mm -hmm. They are they really are present. They are really and one more thing, Bonnie. Guess what you are? An ancestor? Yeah. We, we, I all, am. Become the, we all become the ancestors. Yes. And That's yes. why it's important to practice so that you leave that shape in the world. That is the question for me. How is it that I want to, to be in the world in this last third of my life? Right. And we don't always get to know, but we can, that's where we rekindle our creative spirits so we can bring forward our best. And we may not always get to know, but at least that's, uh, we meet our aspiration and our vow in that way. Well, there's a bigger breath. I just, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So much love for you, love and, you every, and all. Mm -hmm. have Sue next. Sue, we have a lot, Hi. Of, a lot of activity from Madison today, don't we? 
Well, we do seem to. I guess it's a great place. Sun shining, wind is blowing. It's great. Um, reading this poem today. Well, just before we came online, I went to put something in my recycling and I had to move a little box. And when I did, what should I find? There was my telephone. <laughs> yes. And I thought to myself, well, my dear, you thought you were just so calm through all this, didn't you? Well, you're not, and you better pay attention. And it was just, you know, the line that said, we sort of make ourselves and, and work toward that image that we have, and there we are. And of course, we in the Midwest, we're stalwart, we're hardworking, we take what comes, and we're ready for it. And when you do that, of course, you block out a lot of feelings and, and you can't let things flow through you very well. They, they stop and get the reject button. Yeah. And so I thought, well, okay. <laughs> you know, I told you the other day that my husband fell yeah. and that he's, he doing? well, he's getting a little better every day. And he's getting a little faster on that walker, but you know, he is finally saying, I guess a knee replacement is in order. I'm thinking seriously about it, but he has some heart issues and things. So, you know, we're visiting various doctors to find out if this is a possibility and all this kind of thing. And, you know, I go to the, the, uh, orthopedist and she says well if you decide to do this you call me and I'll put you in touch with the right people and you know I have to everything I can do not to shout out I'll do it you know because if it were me that's what I would do I'll do it you know anything to be mobile and you know he's he has a different way of looking at things and he has more health issues so I've just been thinking about okay letting it flow just it's okay you don't have to be so strong you don't have to be so tough you don't you know you can so who who are you if you're not all of that that you practiced your whole life well I, i'm a little crumbly in there what i'm a little crumbly inside there that's what i wondered if because You've spent an awful lot of years um, becoming what you just described. Yes. And you see it. There's a part of you that's kind of stepped back enough through practice to witness it. Mm -hmm. like who, who's there if, if that's not your only model for how one should be in the world? Well, I think there's a, a, a soft person inside, a tender, not, you know, a tender yeah. person inside. And, Sometimes she gets to come out, but mostly she's just in there. Well, she's the one I'm inviting now, of course. Mm -hmm. And I remember years ago thinking, if I cry, I'll never stop crying. So I can't cry. 
and I don't remember what it was, but something broke the, broke the crying. And I did cry and cry, and I also stopped. And so I keep thinking about that. You know, it's, it's all right. It's okay. But it's, you know, it's had 80 years to work in there. So it's mighty, it's mighty hard to let go of. What does the softness want right now? Not the weakness, the softness. Well, this, the softness wants to be held very tenderly. The softness wants to kind of just reach out and embrace. And the softness wants to be very non-judgmental about whatever comes and accepting. Mm-hmm. That sounds nice, doesn't it? <laughs> a lot of people yeah. are enjoying that. Yeah. So- so look at you look at me and at least the few people you can see. Mm-hmm. So they're they're going to reach their arms out now like this. Reach your arms out so we can hold you. Everybody in the room is doing it. Oh, I'm going to hold you. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Yeah, and you can hold us back. That's right. Oh yeah. And then now now let's let's meet. You know, so you can actually feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where where do you want that to go? How about your heart? Mm-hmm. And now just breathe there for a moment. You're always going to be that feisty Sue that can handle things. And at the same time, you can know and include and, and hold and be held. Uh, I was just speaking to someone recently about softening into strength. Not, not get tight so you can be strong, but to soften into strength. And that's one thing I've noticed is that I find I'm, and so I just, yeah, exactly. You know, the breathing helps mm. begin. So take, but this there's more feeling. than just breathing to it because I can breathe and kind of relax. But I guess I'd maybe I, what I do is not always relax everything. There's a part of me that holds. And, I and wanna... as you remember, remember what it's like for us to have held our hands out. Yeah. And you, and what that's like for your shoulders to go down and breath. Mm. And then rather than going further, let that sort of integrate. Let it settle. Let it take the time. That's the other piece. Sometimes you mean not, not all at once? Come on, Flint. <laughs> okay. Take but, it. Yeah. Take the time I to can... let it settle. Yeah. Because that's that's being nice to yourself, very kind to yourself. Mm-hmm. Thank you, mm-hmm. Sue. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Have Bridget next. Mm-hmm. And it looked like Wayne was asking a question. I, I suppose you're looking at it there. Bridget? There you go. You're muted now, Bridget. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. Well, I feel myself a little teary-eyed, and I um, 
I think my practice edge is that it's been um, two years since I've seen my son because he is in Germany and he's just finished up his thesis. And we had a lot of interaction because he asked me to help him proof it, um, you know, for grammar and punctuation and sentence structure and some things like that. I certainly don't understand any of the topic which relates to testing components of electrical systems to see <laughs> how they work <laughs> future battery electric vehicles. But when I think about it, his birthday is tomorrow, and I um, I took a little card and had some of our family members sign it, and, and my sister sent something to him a week ago. I, It's with the expense of sending things overseas. We don't send packages very often, but I want to write him a letter. But what's happened recently, as you know, I have a new grandson, and Paul was our second child. And and so just hearing Bonnie talk about, you know, holding your arms out, I can remember when he was learning to stand, and you and so you hold your hands out, and they walk towards you, and you embrace him. And I'm, I miss that so much. And um, I want to write him a letter, but... You know, things came apart in his dad's and my marriage by the time he was two. And I know he's had a lot of drama from that. And it's, I don't, it's, how do you, this idea of being nice to yourself and softening and still being, recognizing that your strength is, is really hard. Follow your impulse. Write to him. Because I, as I was going over that thing, I could see he was berating himself and, and got a lot of my perfectionistic tendencies. And so I'll, I'll do it. I'll write him. But yeah. it's all, all the parents here are chuckling a little bit. It's like, oh boy, when you yeah. see yourself and your child, but the heart that is open right now that you're showing us right from that one. Okay. Well, and I, I want to thank everyone present and especially Ricky for bringing this to us from the, your location because I, I know Mary Morgan Cook and uh, you know, I know she's not well and I'm just glad that you all are preserving the, the beauty and experience of Hawaii and I hope to come there someday. Thank you. I hope you can too. Did you hear who she was talking about? Yeah. Great. Thank you. Bye-bye for now. Thank you, everyone, for being present. Thank you, Bridget. Bridget's an architect. We have Josh and Trudy, and then Wayne's also in the queue okay. as well, Flint. Hi. It it's just me. He's not saying anything. Okay. <laughs> Ignore this man. Ignore him. <laughs> um, I was um, I I was really fortunate. I mean, just hearing Bridget talk, I felt how fortunate I was that I've just been um, holding my great grandson. Um, I went to see Billy today, and. Um, and my granddaughter said, you know a lot of shit, don't you, Nana? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yeah, yeah, I do. Um, 
but there's something about that holding being true to your shape mm -hmm. that feels like there's um I'm so glad I've stayed alive long enough and it feels like it's about the time it's taken to, to, to begin to have something of that, that this is, this is what this looks like. This is what being a great grandmother, um, however reluctant I am about that, um, to, to appreciate the grace and the beauty of that too that there's, there's something in that. So um, as I do, there was, I went with my lovely friend, Mary, um, last year we were down in Cornwall and I went to see um, this beautiful rock formation that we'd found. Um, we went there specifically. And so I wrote this and, and it felt to me like this is, this is kind of something about it. So come and see these exciting rocks, I said to my friend. Exciting rocks, she said. What, do they dance? No, I said, just wait and see. Then as we turned the corner, my heart sank. The exciting rocks had indeed danced, shimmied their way up the cliff face and now lay in an unremarkable heap, the raw earth above them like a badly skinned knee. Their previous rounded egg-like perfection scrambled on the ground. Oh, I said. My heart pierced with the loss of ancient beauty. Ah, oh, I said, you too, you too. So lovely. And I'm uh, knowing you so well. I know how much it means to feel the gratitude of this time in this place, which you hadn't, you weren't sure that that's how it would unfold. And it's like your flowers in the garden. You, you don't always know how they're going to unfold, but you tend to them and you've tended well, Trudy. And bloomed so beautifully. Thank you. Thank you. It's working. Yes. Did you hear us? Well, hello, old friend. Hello, hello. Um, nice to see many people that I have seen at uh, the Hui. Hello That's to Rick right. in the background. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Donna and Margaret and Suzanne. Um, yeah, I see all these people that you were here with in the circle. Lovely memories of wonderful times together in a wonderful place. Maybe one of the wonder, most wonderful places on earth. Um, you know, Flint, uh, this morning, I don't know if it was in the poem, if you're, or if you used the word, I think it was in the poem, and it was the word misshapen. And I mentioned that. Well Sometimes we think that, our shape is misshapen. For a lifetime on, you know, accepting my body and... Um, one of the really interesting things that's happened in this second or this second part of my life when I have been diagnosed with, uh, first of all, I've had an acoustic neuroma and um, 
the treatments led to uh, losing a great deal of my mobility because of neuropathy. And I, I've had the experience, however, in this of discovering that there was a reason why in my teenage years I was a little off, weak in the legs, uh, weak in my ankles, uh, had, had quirks, and it's because I do have a Charcot-Marie Tooth disease, uh, CMT for short. Uh, Charcot and Marie and Tooth were the French doctors who diagnosed the thing. So, hmm. so you in just my now own practice, this. I guess the edge is I'm still back to that, uh, working on that 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 part of me that you know, gets another chance to to work through the misshapen, <laughs> misshapen ID, identity or the misshapen part. And, uh, you know, it, it would be okay if I didn't have to do that, but I guess that's, the, that's where I am. And, uh, you know, in spite of that, I feel pretty good about my life. There sure is a lot of grief about that of course it's a of course hard word it's the the kind of grief that um i can't hear you Flint. we must uh see if hold with each that. other can you hear me doesn't sound like you can hear you're not able to hear wayne now i can now i can okay Nice to be, nice to be amongst all of you. And thank you for coming forward in all your misshapen beauty. <laughs> thank you. And I see that we're at the end of our, our time. And uh, those of you that have your little papers here, the second small verse at the bottom, and you'll, you'll see its meaning as we say it together to end our time together. And use your, use your voice. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding the self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Thank you everyone for coming as always and thanks my friends here for joining me and for uh, waiting on their breakfast for an extra half hour, <laughs> which is also good. Uh, Maria? There you go. Thank you so much, Flint.
Apamada's programmes and facilities are supported through your generosity. Your support really does make a huge difference. There is a link for contributions on the website at apamada.org forward slash contribute. Here there's a link to give you an opportunity to offer Dana to teachers such as Flint and Peg, as well as other teachers. Also, you'll see an opportunity to contribute towards other events such as classes and practice discussions. Thank you all so much. And we now move on to the next part of our evening, or not evening, morning, afternoon or evening, depending <laughs> on, where, on where you are, uh, where we all meet on the virtual porch. So please do join myself and others if you wish to continue to share and connect for a further 30 minutes. And please do take a couple of minutes break if you wish to. Thank you so much, everybody.